Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I'm Jessica. Welcome back to the Wonders of Thetis for episode 31. We've got a couple of announcements to make at the top of the show because you may have noticed uh, that there's there's a couple changes happening at the top of the show. We have a brand new stinger that uh, opened up the show. You might have noticed it. It's pretty cool. You may recognize it if you're into other uh, role-playing podcasts. Uh-huh, because uh, we may have joined a group that is known as the D20 Radio Network. D20 Radio is a loose affiliation of podcasters who boost each other's signals and share podcasting tips and info. And I know I've been listening to some of their podcasts for years by this point, so it we is... We both have. Oh yeah, we have. It's it is it's it's a real great honor to be part of the D twenty Radio Network. Thank you all so much for letting us in, and uh, we're so excited. You guys. Yeah, we are. It's going to be great. And all the new folks who are coming in, checking out the podcast for the first time, welcome. We hope you enjoy. We're having a lot of fun. Uh, and see, we have a lot of fun here. Check out the D twenty Radio dot com. The web, see the D twenty Radio dot com. The website that has all the podcasts on it. We'll be including a link in our blog post, and we'll also we also have a new link on the. Uh, blog itself that takes yes. you right to d20radio.com you can check out all the podcasts there's way too many for us to listen here to list in on here but there's plenty to look through for those of you who love being geeks especially those of you who like things like star wars and ad and and let's say like old like original i have a soft spot classic. in my heart for the star wars stuff so oh, yeah we got some good star wars stuff there's a lot of star wars stuff on there and it's really cool mm-hmm. it's where most of the stuff got its start because the folks who started it were started uh the order 66 podcast really great uh pair of folks there who yeah, are we, the, the usual hosts of course mm-hmm. we've uh been longtime listeners to that podcast and it's really great to be able to provide our own material alongside them and uh, try to see if we can be a solid collaborative group and I think yeah that's really cool it's really exciting. Thank you all so much for letting us in. So uh, thanks to the lovely, uh, let's see, another announcement that of course comes with this one is thanks to the lovely folks at the D20 Radio, the Wonders of Thetis podcast now has its own forums. We will be posting links to said forums in our social media and blog posts from now on so that you can discuss the episode topics or even submit questions and custom content for our Codex and Dissonant Verse segments through our very our own forums. That is super exciting. Isn't that cool? And uh, if you want to find us on the forums... The, uh, your name is still pretty similar, but my name is, yeah, my name is still Cot. That's actually my, that's actually an old forum handle that I had back when I listened to them back in like 2012. Yeah, back when we got started with all this. And then, uh, Uh mine is, uh, Lise, actually, L-I-S-S-E, and I will actually be a presence on the forums. Mm -hmm. We're both moderators. So. We'll be watching y'all. If you have any questions or you want to talk to us or send us anything on the forums, you should definitely do it because, I mean... We got these beautiful new forums. We got to break them yeah. in. We got to break them in. There's a lot, there's already pretty lively uh lively chatting on there for all the other games that they're running. So check it out. I hope you like it. Also, uh, we of course have an announcement that we will be attending an online convention later this year known as AetherCon Six. Uh, this, for those of you who uh, don't know about AetherCon, it is an online convention. It does not take place in a convention hall. You actually go there through the internet. 
The con is going to take place November 10th through the 12th, and I'll be running three games of Dragon Age if you want to register to play them. Uh, I'll be running the adventure that I wrote, What Chains Are For. My games will be from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. every day at the con if you want to join. The con of course, itself is free to attend. There's going to be lots of online gaming, besides Dragon Age, of course, being held on Roll20 and Google Hangouts. Uh, I, I imagine most folks, well, plenty of folks will be familiar with Google Hangouts, but Roll20 is, Roll20 is a virtual tabletop. Uh, program that is used for a lot of folks for online gaming. It's pretty slick. Mm-hmm. It, it's a really great platform that allows people to play remotely across oh, yeah. different locations, and we're hoping to start using it for our actual Dragon Age home game here soon, mm-hmm, because one of our dearly beloved characters has... All the way in Washington, D.C. in Washington, D.C., and that's pretty far. Yeah, and they're the warrior. We've only got a rogue and a mage. Who's going yeah, to pulp we need people? A Laura. We're not getting pulped. Yeah, if we don't have a Laura, the other... Us, we're, we're toast, so of we, we have, we're going to have to roll for exactly. her in. So, uh, plenty of online gaming, especially for the folks. Of, uh, for those of you who uh, are already big online gamers, this should be right up your alley. And for those of you who aren't, it, it could be quite the learning experience, especially because it's free. But wait, there is more. The next week of our episode, uh, the week of our next episode, we will be having some of the folks who are putting on AetherCon come here on the show, and they're going to talk to us about the con and how you can join and enjoy this convention to the fullest. Early bird registration for the con starts September 17th, so mark it down in your calendars. We hope to see you there. Well. Well. I mean, there's, I mean webcams are, are That's used. true. Webcams are a thing. Just webcams are a we're thing. not using a webcam. Yeah, Doesn't mean other you. people don't. Yeah, hopefully if we, don't we will see it, see it. If we don't see it at Gen Con, we hope to see it at AetherCon. Absolutely. And, you know, both is Both is, both is cool. Yeah. Heck yeah. Be our friends. So, we'll be skipping this week in Thetis, uh, this week in Thetis because we haven't really got anything to talk about just yet. We're keeping our uh, thumbs on the pulse of what Dragon Age RPG is doing. And, of course, there are some rumors flying around about Dragon Age 4, but nothing's set in stone yet. We don't really cover the video games, but the video games heavily influence the RPG, so we'll probably drop in a couple things once in a while when they come in. We'll keep you posted. Oh, yeah. We got your back. Yes. But, in the meantime, let us consult the Codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. We've got a couple questions here. They're pretty good ones. And we're going to try and go through them somewhat quickly because we got a lot to talk about, but... We do have a lot to talk about today. But we're going to have some cool stuff to talk about right here. So... First question comes from our good friend Andy Klosky through our email. Thank hope you again. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, hope you're doing well, brother. Good We're going to gonna hear have from you on you soon. Always. We hope to have you on soon again. It'll be fun. So, Andy, your question was, what role does rivalry have at your table? Dragon Age 2 was notable for its relationship system in which you could still be allies with a party member like Meryl or Fenris while simultaneously building an ongoing relationship with them. What could a GM do to foster a healthy, read, not PvP, rivalry between PCs? This is a really important but delicate thing to be able to balance. At our table in particular, we just, uh, we actually have very little rivalry at the table. Partially because all three of the major characters that are currently still in play all do different things. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, we actually have just the three-person set of warrior, mage, and rogue. Right. And so there's so little overlap that there's very little for us to sort Mm -hmm. of have rivalry about. Because we all exercise different abilities and yeah. have different strengths and weaknesses. They haven't really even got that much stuff to disagree about, like, 
in the first place, they're yeah. they're practically all sisters by this yeah, point. Yeah, we're we're kind of like you know one part government, one part adventuring party, and one part sorority. So except, <laughs> yes, you know, it's, it's maybe kind of, more than one part sorority occasionally. A few parts sorority. Don't judge us. <laughs> but uh, there were plenty of opportunities. I think they. It just so happened that these characters meshed in a way that made them more familial and close than rival-like. Despite the fact that I named the campaign Faith Misplaced. Yeah, we weren't trying to make characters that were going <laughs> to trust each other innately. That really wasn't the plan. Y'all but... worked against me from the day, from day one, and maybe that was a good thing. Well, we weren't trying to. We just no, they weren't. Ended up, the characters ended up liking each other. What can you do in that situation? What can you do? I guess their faith was not misplaced. Our faith was not, in fact, misplaced. I'm At least not that, in that regard. I'm thinking about giving out bonus XP every time someone manages to plug the the campaign's name in-game. Well, then we'd be at least another level higher by now. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm, we're not doing retroactive Aww. experience for that. So, but uh, I think at other tables, like at a standard table, mm -hmm. this is something that needs to be done very carefully, but can yes. be super rewarding. Oh, totally. In a party that's very role-play heavy. Yeah, you got two players who like make a plan for their PCs to be at each other's throats all the time. It can be it can be a lot of fun, and it can be really rewarding. But you need some really uh, you need really mature players for it. Oh, you know a good example. Mm -hmm. um, in, you know, believe it or not, we don't just play Dragon Age, but uh, one of the Pathfinder Imagine. games in which we are playing, Right. I have a character with a very strong <laughs> rivalry. I know who you're talking about With another about character. Oh, that's true. In that I'm chaotic good well, and he's you're... awful evil. I mean, and... you have the rivalry with that player's player character's Eidolon, <laughs> actually. His summoned creature. <laughs> but it's... It, that that's a good example of rivalry because this is this is definitely a relationship where the rivalry gauge has maxed out and it's never gonna so it's never gonna go anywhere. It's no, it's right there, there for good. Oh yeah. But at the same time, you know they're able to work together as a party to make the party work. They're a mm -hmm. strong source of the laughs in the campaign just because they're ridiculous, and the player and I are still good friends. Like we still have a great time with it. I think oh, yeah. it. It has to be a cooperative effort, the rivalry. Yes. When you and a friend are working together to make the best or funniest or most dramatic rivalry, oh, yeah. that's when rivalry succeeds for me. Oh, definitely. Um, it definitely is very important to remember that it's supposed to be a cooperative effort. And even in the video game Dragon Age 2, those characters, if you've got full rivalry with them, which, you know, at a glance, seems like they don't like you. Yeah. But it is worth remembering that rivalry in the video game meant that the character disagrees with Hawk, but is still, like, loyal or friendly to them. Like, they've decided to agree to disagree, they're, but they're not going to abandon Hawk because they respect they respect Hawk. Exactly. It's just uh, be careful with your players and Definitely, make sure yeah. that everybody knows where the line is and make sure that they're more working together to create a rivalry rather than competing with each other mm -hmm. because that... Boy, have I seen that go badly that goes bad multiple times and in big ways. It's just not. It usually doesn't end well unless they're working together to make it happen. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there. I'm sure there are people for whom that style has worked. I just haven't seen it succeed yet. Right. In yeah. 18 years of gaming, I haven't seen it succeed. So. Right. No. It. It just. It usually just hurts feelings and it hurts feelings at the table and then it hurts feelings away from the table and that's that's yeah. never good. Well, in. It has to be done very carefully. Yeah, so I think if as a GM, as long as you 
if you want to foster a healthy rivalry, just make sure that the PCs themselves are a major part of it. Oh, yeah. If you're putting things, like, if you're going to be adding things to sort of create a rivalry between them, make sure that even if the characters haven't seen these things coming, that the players know, and they know sort of maybe what their rivalry is going to do mm-hmm. around it. Yeah. Because if you, you know, if you give one great perfect item for the rogue, and then you have two rogues, mm-hmm. that's just going to make people mad. That's just going to breed resentment. So it should definitely be a roleplay focused thing, and it should be more like the characters' views clash rather than let's see, or maybe their methods clash. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's our take on it anyway. Yeah, just be careful with it. Don't hurt nobody's feelings, please. Thanks again, Andy. Always good to hear from. And it's always good to hear from this next person. Uh, of course, Parcival on the Green Running Forums. Thank you again. We got another lovely question from you. And uh, your question was. In my current campaign, one of the PCs is Corbin, an agent of the Inquisition. Wait, I think he's actually from the multiplayer, aren't they? I think so. At least it sounds familiar. Uh, At the moment, of course, there is no official warrior specialization for the Legion of the Dead. How well do you think the Legionnaire Scout ports over to warriors? Novice and journeymen work well, in my eyes. Master level would make them virtually tanks. Do you think it would work, or would you modify it? And if so, in what way? We thought about this one for a while. Yeah. This one's this one's kind of tricky because it's it's honestly a specialization that feels very warrior that belongs to rogues, mm-hmm. and it's I think it's good that rogues have it because it it gives them a lot of survivability that rogues otherwise usually don't have compared to warriors. But for the folks who want to have Legion of the Dead, you know, written on their character sheet as as well as in in every facet of that particular character that they're playing, but they don't have a specialization to work with. Then this can be this can be okay, mm-hmm. and we. I'm not mad at it. Yeah, no, no. See, for those of you who want to uh, tinker with the game a little bit, age is very good for that. It mm-hmm. doesn't. It, age is very malleable. It doesn't break very easily. So, but uh, <laughs> we we do think you're absolutely right that uh, master level would make them virtually tanks, and if they've got the armor mastery special, mm-hmm. like the armor mastery talent. That's going to probably cause a little bit of game breaking. Yeah. So. So we had an idea which yes. I really liked. The idea that we had was um, keeping keeping the novice and the journeyman degrees the same, mm-hmm. and Those even even keeping the requirements for the class for the uh, for the um, uh, the specialization the same. The constitution and willpower requirements, being a dwarf, being a member of the legion, seems of the legit. Dead, it's already pretty restrictive. You probably don't need to change it much, and. But uh, for master level. Yes. For the master level, you'll probably want to swap out giving them more armor rating because warriors can already wear the heaviest armor in the game. They don't need more help. It's just going to make them impossible to kill. But um, making them more difficult to kill without necessarily uh, making it... Armor-based. Armor-based. We had the idea that the warrior could... And so you could either extend the duration of the dying state so that they die slower or continue to function at least to a small degree while in the dying state. Yeah, maybe be able to make either a major or a minor action, but not both in a round, but still be able to do these things or maybe have them get the opportunity to make a constitution test to stay conscious or willpower to stay conscious. You know, we we would have to actually workshop something to be balanced, but mm-hmm. I think that that's a good sort of yeah. capstone for uh, for a for a warrior in specific in mm-hmm. a specific case. It kinda gave me the idea of a warrior who of a warrior stranded stranded in the deep roads, surrounded by Darkspawn, carving them down left and right. But even though he's in the dying state, 
they can't coup de grow him because he's still swinging. Yep, exactly. And that feels very legionnaire to me. Yeah, they're still carving Darkspawn in half, and they're going to take each one they can down to their last breath. Maybe somebody should write this version, maybe like the Legionnaire Sentinel. Maybe, you know, Parsifal, if you write it up, we'll put it on the podcast. You know we will. You know we will. But thank you, Parsifal. It's it's some really good food for thought. Thank you much, Lee. Now, we have uh, two of our established uh, listeners who have uh, given us some questions for the Codex, but we have a newcomer. Yay! Thank you so much, Connor Irwin, through our Facebook page. Thank you so much. We've got a, this is, you brought us a really juicy question. Thank you. We like this one. Oh, yeah. Your question, Connor, was, I've found that Entropy School can be, can produce effects just as gross and awful as Blood Magic or even more so. Seems strange to me that Blood Magic is so taboo when Entropy Mages can be just as dangerous. And, And, Yeah. Quite frankly, yes. Quite Um, frankly, yes. There are a couple of possible reasons that we came up with for this. And one of the things that I that I think we both can kind of came up with is the fact that in general magic is just kind of taboo to every to most yeah. people. Yeah. And uh, those who aren't in the know could very easily, even though there's no blood present, look at some entropy magic abilities and be like, "It's blood magic." Ah, Everybody run! Head for the hills. But the uh, there's a couple of reasons. But I agree with you. I feel like entropy magic is probably something that should be seen as a bit squickier than it is but i think it could be seen as less squicky partially because it's it seems like it's used less it's not quite as popular That's i don't because i think it's like um, circle mages i think uh primal spirit and to a lesser extent creation magic is usually used a bit more often and blood magic is a bit more famous for being dangerous. Part I mean because you rip blood out of people, you use it your spells, and it's a you bit ta- more visible. Yeah. And then you take over people's minds. Yeah, that is one thing that you That's cannot do with oh, yeah. uh, entropy. Entropy is not. Entropy can't take over people's minds. You can make them sleep. You can right. make them terrified. You can, you can make them cry. You can't make them can, do things. Right. Blood magic lets you push people's blood out of their orifices. It lets you that. torture people. It lets you steal thoughts from their minds. It lets you boil the blood of a whole bunch of folks in the room, and, and it lets you take over people's minds. That's terrifying to normal to, to anybody, really. Yeah, I think it provides a more complete level of efficacy loss. Yes, definitely. And it makes you completely incapable mm-hmm. of doing things, and it gives someone specific control over oh, yeah. you and your body and your actions, oh, and yeah. that might be part of what makes it so terrifying, along with the fact that, you know... You're pushing your blood out of your eyeballs right. and your nose. It's your my nose and my mouth. It's not oh. cute. 4d6 penetrating damage. Oh. It's mean. Garf. And, um, I mean, comparison, entropy lets you do some pretty nasty stuff, but it's entropy by itself is also a bit more subtle than blood magic is, because blood mm-hmm. magic, you know, you, you, you're bringing your own blood out, you're bringing your friend's blood out, you're bringing hot, it's the in, innocent people's blood out. It's the grotiest kind of oh, razzle-dazzle yeah. you can Oh, think yeah. Of. You're pushing people's blood around, and you're taking over people's minds and doing all these weird things, and hexing is, it's like, you know, hexing with uh, entropy or even using a lot of, a couple of the um, small, minor things or even bigger things, sometimes it's a lot more subtle. Well, in, in world as well, mm-hmm. like the folklore and the biases that have been developed. Yeah. People are looking for blood magic specifically, specifically because that is the thing that they've been told about. Yes. Who knows if uh, entropy magic were more well known by the populace at large? Maybe mm-hmm. there would be similar distrust of it. Yeah, people who seem to use it most tend to be hedge mages, 
and you know, a couple circle mages. A couple circle mages still do use it. Yes, it's um, for in terms of war, it, does, it probably doesn't feel, uh, especially because circle mages or circle mages are essentially trained for war because you know the Lamarin Accord. You you'd say we'll train you to fight the fight the dark spawn. Yes, but. So it's it's not as flashy, uh, as fl- not as not as flashy or as noticeable or as viscerally terrifying as blood magic. I think is the that, answer we're yeah. trying to get at. That is the summary. But yeah, but so I think that's that's our take at least. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Connor. We appreciate it. And of course, if you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, those of you who are listening out there, if you whether it's mechanics, build suggestions, questions about the lore, clarifications about old episodes we've had, anything else, you can send us a message at wondersofthetispodcast at gmail.com. You can send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Plus, or SoundCloud accounts, or you can send it a personal message to Cot the Protector on the Green Running Forums. Or you can of course now send it to Cot on the D twenty radio forums. Or, or to Lise on the D twenty radio forums. That's us. That's us. Thank you so much, uh, everybody, for all the questions. We're going to be skipping over the Dissonant Verses today because we haven't really got anything to show right now. Hopefully that'll change soon. But we've got a lot of stuff to talk about in the main topic, so we should probably get to it. So. We had a poll. We did have a poll. And uh, and see, we probably could have mentioned this sooner, I suppose. But, but of course, we wanted to talk about magic. We wanted to talk about a specific school of magic. We wanted to get into the nitty-gritty and all the moving pieces. So we had a poll on our social media to see what folks wanted to talk about, and the winner was Primal Magic. Yeah. You people sure like the idea of blowing stuff up. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's fun. It's exciting. It's what people think about when they hear the word magic. And it's our main topic for For today. today. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. Welcome to class, the Docians. Today's subject, primal magic. Take your seats, sharpen your pencils, then remember that you don't need pencils because you use wands for magic anyway. Yes. And at least you know there's nobody cutting funding on it. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> primal magic is the second of the schools of energy. It is balanced by spirit magic. Some people call it the school of power. And primal magic is the magic that most people think of when they hear the word magic. Fire, ice, lightning, earth. It's see, pulling on the primal forces. Uh, it's the magic, of, the magic of war and battle. And the spells reflect this quite well. Mm-hmm. It is not solely primal uh, battle magic, but primalists are going to be battle mages first and utility enhancement mages second. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get us wrong. There are some, uh, there are some very important exceptions to this rule. Indeed. But let's, uh, let's start with the basics first. See, the pros of Primal Magic. Uh, primal Magic, you're going to get the most direct damage potential. Those, these are the spells, these are the most damaging spells that you're going to get out of all the schools. Yeah, you're putting the hurt on people. You're going to get a lot of area of effect spells. A lot of spells that you can, like, set in the ground, set in the ground, forget, but they keep churning away, or you're throwing fireballs, or you're throwing gouts of electricity. Uh, and, of course, and Primal Magic also has some spells that also hinder targets while damaging them, which is, mm-hmm. give, give them a little double whammy. Now... The cons of primal magic is that there's not a lot of party support. Mm-hmm. You're not. This is mostly just about blowing up the opposition. It's not really about helping your friends. Uh, enemies that can resist your spells are going to leave you with fewer options, especially if you come up across enemies who are able to consistently uh, um, avoid your spells. You're going to need to get clever, or uh, hopefully you um, have friends. Get, have friends and maybe get a little versatile. 
Um, and of course, most average Thedosians are going to be keeping their eyes on you in case you explode. To be fair, anytime they see a mage, that is a that is their primary concern. But uh, especially if they know that you are of the kind that makes things go boom, they're mm-hmm. they're going to be waiting for that to happen. Going making things go boom is usually how people find out they're mages. Win, it's true. Win found out she was a mage because she burned a barn down. Oops. That was fun. <laughs> well, I imagine not for the not for the animals in the barn. I hope they got them out Pro- safe. Probably not for Win either. Uh, the primal school has twenty five spells in total. Sixteen of them are labeled attack spells. Surprise. Three of them are labeled enhancement spells. Two of them are for your friends, and only one of them, and one of them is just for you. One of them is labeled defense, but <laughs> but you want it. You want it. You should take it. We'll talk about it. Five of them are labeled utility, and most of these require degrees in the primal magic talent, which if you're focusing on primal magic, we would hope you'll be taking. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to talk about the specific elements and, and the specific spell trees and what each one brings to the table. And we'll start with the earth spells. Uh, the earth spells include rock armor, stone fist, earthquake, and petrify. We included pit and stones embrace because they felt thematically appropriate, although they're, let's see, they're a li- they don't really require you to know any of these other spells to get into them. Yeah. Would um, stone throw be considered earth? Kind of. I lumped it you in need to be the, a, you need to be a keeper yeah, for it. Yeah, that one that one requires very specific things. Um, Earth does not have a lot of damage potential. The only spell among these that deals damage is Stone Fist, yeah. uh, but it is penetrating damage and includes a knock prone knock prone effect when the target fails to resist it. So it's it's not bad. It's pretty solid. And solid. It, yes. Did you just say that Stone Fist is solid? Oh yeah, all of these spells are solid, and uh, it's stone. Especially because this next one is. You're ignoring my pun on purpose. <laughs> yes, I am. It is, of course, uh, the Earth Tree also has, let's see, the only defensive spell, and it is the most important one, because it's rock armor. Most people call this one a spell tax, because it's the only thing, it's one of the only things in the game that's going to give a mage an armor rating, which yes. means you're not going to die. If you would not like to be squished before, you know, you have a chance to make your mark on the world... Get this spell. You're probably going to want it. Get this spell and use it. Right. Probably no matter what kind of mage you are, rock armor is going to save your life. Saved mine more than once. Oh, yes. Now, the great thing about Earth, however, is that it involves a lot of battlefield control. It involves stopping, uh, stopping foes in their tracks or creating obstacles for enemies. Uh, the spells are resisted by a variety of abilities, which gives you a bit of flexibility in choosing to maximize their effects. Two of them are Constitution Stamina to resist, one of them is Dexterity Acrobatics, and one of them is Strength Might. So you get a nice mm-hmm. little spread. So if you know that that person over there is looking kind of hardy, maybe they're not very fast. If that person looks really strong, maybe they're not Maybe they're not quite as hardy. So you can kind of uh, go a little loosey-goosey with Earth. Let's see. Oh, and of course the two ones that we didn't that we included in Earth uh, are also Pit and uh, Stone's Embrace. We'll talk about those a little bit more a little later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, definitely. And, of course, the next one we have is Fire Magic. Uh, the iconic. The iconic Fire Magic. Flame Blast, Flaming Weapons, Fireball, and Inferno. One Enhancement Spell and three Explosion Spells. <laughs> you none wanted of... <laughs> to blow things up when you picked Fire, and you know that. You got it. Now, none of all of these deal regular damage that is subject to armor rating unless you take use the Spell Expertise talent to get the Penetrating Spell stunt. Uh, but they all deal decent damage in Area of Effect Blasts. This is a solid spell tree for mages who want to deal damage and debuff a little bit. Mm-hmm. Flaming Weapons uh, is a welcome plus 1d6 damage to all your friends' weapon attacks. And do remember that when you cast the spell, your friends have to have the weapons in their hands. Mm-hmm. It's an easy one to forget. Uh, which, let's see, the, how it is, the, the text says that the weapons have to be readied, which means that you got, they got to have them 
in their hands. You don't have to for telekinetic weapons, though. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I thought you did. It's just all weapons. Anyway. It's worth remembering that flaming weapons can affect two weapons uh, if you're in, see, the readied melee weapons. Oh, ready. Weapons. That's right. Well, it's, it's never been a problem because they've always got them in hand. So. Right, they've always got them ready. Um, it is worth remembering that if you got two weapons in your hands, flaming weapons is going to hit both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, fireball. And it stacks with things like oh, yes. telekinetic weapons and frost. Oh, yes. Oh, see, we'll be, we'll be talking about that a little bit too. Okay. Next one's nice. Okay. But um, fireball, let's see, uh, of course, uh, flame blast and fireball are solid and practically guaranteed solid damage. Fireball is guaranteed damage because resisting the spell only means you don't get knocked to the ground. Otherwise, you just toss it over there in like 4 four by 4 area, 3d6 plus magic damage. Always. It never gets reduced. That's, that's nice. Um, and it can knock people to the ground. Uh, Inferno, the, uh, the capstone spell, is expensive, but it deals decent damage. 3d6 plus magic. And if, but if they make the test, they only take 2d6 damage, but they also fall prone if they make the test to resist it. <laughs> because they're jumping out of the way of the fire. Which one actually sets you on fire? This one does, actually. Uh, this one so specifically says that if you take the if you get hit take any damage by Inferno when you leave, you continue to take a D6 of damage. Now, a D6 of damage, especially at the higher levels, is not gonna be much. But against lightly armored targets, I mean, it's a little extra something something. Mm-hmm. Not everything's got a lot of armor rating higher up. It's true, not everything. Now all of these are all of the offensive spells here are resisted by dexterity acrobatics. Um, there's a solid defensive focus. That is, no, this is a solid defensive focus that m- m- many foes are probably going to have, but it's less common than Constitution Stamina, so as long as you don't run into a lot of rogues, you'll probably be okay. Mm-hmm. Should be alright. Mm-hmm. Just make sure those target numbers are high. Definitely. Uh, and next we have Ice Magic. Winter's Grasp, Frost Weapons, Cone of Cold, and Blizzard. These are all very solid for damage because all the damage they do is penetrating. Uh, three of the four include debuff effects. Let's see, well, I mean, all the ones that actually, like, deal damage when you cast the spell also include debuff effects to targets that fail to resist them. This is probably my favorite element tree of the four. It's pretty solid. Uh, most of the spells slow down targets, reduce speed scores, or reduce attack rolls or perception tests, uh, in the case of Blizzard. Now, Blizzard is a maintained spell that includes penetrating damage, a knock-prone effect on failed tests, and a penalty to melee and ranged attacks, making a really nice capstone spell. But it is a little expensive, so just keep that in mind. Oh, yes. Uh, Frost Weapons is a very welcome buff to weapon users, adding plus two penetrating damage to every hit, and has all the same stipulations of weapon fl- uh, flaming weapons, but they do stack with each other. So, and with telekinetic. Uh-huh. So if you pick up flaming weapons and frost weapons, they stack with each other, and if you have enough telekinetic weapons, you can just pile that stuff on all your friends. They will be very thankful. feel bad for anything anyway. <laughs> Uh, the, the damaging spells in the ice, uh, let's see, in the ice tree are uh, resisted by Constitution stamina. In the case of Winter's Grasp and Cone of Cold, Blizzard is, redu- is uh, resisted by Dexterity Acrobatics, which gives you a little bit of wiggle room in case you need to decide uh, which which one of those is probably going to work better. Although you won't have too much wiggle room until you get Blizzard. Correct. Yeah, and of course, that is your capstone spell, so you're going to need to work for it. Now, and then of course, we have the Lightning Tree. Shock, lightning, tempest, and chain lightning. If you want to go pure damage, this is the way to go because all these spells are about is dealing damage, it's hurting hurt. people. Lightning, chance. Now, um, shock is an area of effect, just like flame blast, but it does, of course, penetrating damage. And uh, lightning is a single target uh, spell that goes much for that goes very far away. 
but it also deals penetrating damage. Tempest is an area of effect spell that you can maintain, and it's not terribly expensive compared to some of the other ones, that also deals penetrating damage. And Chain Lightning lets you pick a whole bunch of targets that are close to a specific another target, and Lightning jumps off across all of them. And of course, it's all penetrating damage. Yeah, that one hurts. Oh yeah. From personal experience, that one hurts a lot. It's mean. Chain Lightning can be expensive, but it hits at most six targets of your toy of your choice if five others are close enough to the primary target. Does mean that it can cost a whopping thirty mana, uh, thirty ma- uh, mana points when you use it at maximum power, but it deals three d six penetrating damage to the primary 3D6 target. Three d six plus magic. Three d six plus magic penetrating to the primary target, and two d six plus magic penetrating damage to each additional target. Ouch. So that gets Take real out. nasty real fast. But it is worth noting that for this tree, all of these spells are resisted by Constitution stamina, which means mm-hmm. that if you come across a foe with uh, who has high Constitution or even just the focus. You may have some trouble dealing uh, large amounts of damage, but because you have penetrating damage, a little bit is usually going to eke through anyway. Mm-hmm. Unless you're fighting folks with with uh, constitution stamina and master armor training. And then you're just in a bad place. Then it's just a bad place. There is one other group of, uh, hmm. of uh, primalist spells that, That's true. that are, are not unique. quite standard. They're unique because they are specific to a very specific specialization. The only uh, primal focus specialization, if I'm not mistaken, is the Keeper. Mm-hmm. And I I, I've that, had a lot of fun with I, I know that you are quite familiar with this one. Well, I mean, we've been mixing it with, like we've said before, we've been mixing it with the uh, Wood Arcana from Fantasy Age. That's true. To great and devastating effect. And unlocking a lot of, what do you call, uh, well, unlocking a lot of the old Elven magic. Mm-hmm. But uh, Wrath of the Elven is an interesting spell. It's one that allows you basically to uh, do, a, do a small amount of penetrating damage to everybody around you. And Snare pulls people to you, and then... So that they can get into, so your, they wrath can get into your Wrath of the Elven. Uh, but my personal favorite on the Keeper-specific list has got to be Stone's Throw, where you can pretty much just travel through stone and dirt. If you've got solid stone and dirt, which has been... And, and of course, the spell also clarifies that stone, that brick and mortar also counts as, so, as solid stone or it earth. It does, it does, it um, does. It essentially gives you a teleport. Yeah, you One can pretty the... much teleport anywhere within 24 yards just because you know how to moose your way through a bunch of dirt and stone. Mm-hmm. As of this moment, this is the only way to do that in this game. Yep, it's a really cool spell, and it's not real—it's not mentioned in the Keeper specialization, but you need to be a Keeper to be able to take it. Correct, because you I believe you need Ensnare to take it. Yeah, it's it. just kind of hiding in the, uh, mm-hmm. set, in the spell set. Yeah, you get Wrath of the Elven and Ensnare for free just by taking the specialization, but you got to specifically look for Stone's Throw. So keep that in mind. Yeah, it's worth it. We'll probably talk more about that another time. Oh, yeah. When we talk about the Keeper specialization itself. So stay tuned for that one. Now, we've gone through a couple of the spells, uh, but it is worth noting that the next spells that we're going to talk about, that we're going to mention, require you to take the Primal Magic talent, which, if you're going Primal Magic, we'd certainly hope you're doing anyway. Um, All of the schools of magic in the game have a corresponding talent, and each of them has three degrees that follow a similar pattern. Novice, give, novice degree gives you a minor trick that is related to the school of magic. Journeyman degree reduces the cost of all spells from that school by one, the mana cost, uh, mm-hmm. and gives you an extra spell from the same school. It's not, it may not seem like much of a reduction, but it adds up over long sessions of spellcasting. It does. Especially for higher level campaigns when you've got a lot of mana to track and you've got, you're casting spells left and right. Yeah, it doesn't make that much of a difference, but it's nice. It's It can be helpful. Mm-hmm. And uh, having the... Uh, 
the extra spell is just gravy. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. It doesn't convert. And, of course... It's the big draw. The master degree of these talents gives you another more powerful thematic power and another extra spell. Mm, more powerful is debatable. I mean, the, for the master degree for this one is... I mean, I know which one you're thinking about. I'm only a little bitter. <laughs> it's true. Most of them are a better power. Like the one we're talking about. Like the one we're talking about today. It's not creation. Uh, This talent is also usually the requirement for several spells in the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, See, all the magic talents usually are requirements for specific spells, and they're usually, uh, with some spells being only available to mages when they reach a certain degree of the talent, most of the spells that are available that require you to have the talent are usually spells that are actually unique to the tabletop role-playing game. Uh, As is the case with all of these, of course. Uh, because adventuring in the RPG, adventuring in the tabletop RPG has got different needs than the video games do, and Primal gets a motley collection of unique spells. In the case of the Primal Magic Talent, the Novice Degree lets you create a small fire in your hand for no MP. Uh, you can use this to set things on fire, you can use this to create light, or potentially aid in strength intimidation tests against the superstitious. Mm-hmm. If you can just put Conjure Fire to your hand, that's pretty spooky to a lot of folks. See, I feel like mages... In certain circumstances, should this is a bit off topic, mm-hmm. but maybe certain circumstances should be able to use magic in place of their uh, strength for I intimidation. Yeah, I mean, because you're making a light show and you're scaring the dickens out of these poor innocent oh, people. Oh yeah, you might be able to replace that. I mean, GM's discretion, yeah. of course. Maybe just make like a magic, make a magic primal test. Yeah, just just That's... side note, side note. The journeyman degree for primal is straightforward. It does what all the other schools do. Reduce the mana cost, gives you an extra spell. The Master Degree of Primal Magic lets you add extra damage from the Mighty Spell Stun to more than one target at a time by spending extra stun points for each target. So it lets you kind of break that rule. Because normally, Mighty Spell only lets you add the extra d6 of damage to one target of your spell. But if you've got a fireball going off and you're hitting three people, then you can spend two extra... You can spend the you know the two stun points for Mighty, mighty Spell and then spend one extra stun point for each extra target and add a d6 of damage to that person too. Mm-hmm. So everybody's taking four d6 plus magic damage. <laughs> everybody's having having everybody's having to fall down. It's not well, a good hey, that's that's the other school. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, everybody's having. You a fall want everybody down to have a spell. fall down? You take spirit specials. <sighs> anyway, um, let's see the spells that require. See, when you take the novice degree of the primal magic talent, you gain access to. You are able to take the spells shelter and wind weaving. These spells are useful for exploration, and they can adjust your fortunes in natural settings. These are both, of course, unique to the tabletop RPG. Shelter gives your adventuring companions a safe and comfortable place to sleep, and wind weaving can change the direction and intensity of the wind. Both of these are really cheap spells, and they can be really useful when you need them. Because if you're adventuring in, like, freezing temperatures or really hot temperatures, it can be very dangerous to your adventurer's health if they have to sleep in them, unless you brought a shelter spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it shields you and your companions from bad weather and even potentially small vermin if the GM allows it. Let's everyone mm-hmm. sleep comfortably. And it make, lasts for like kind t- of makes sense. Yeah. You're going to spend a whole spell yeah. on having this. Your GM oh, yeah. better make that thing bug free. It, it lasts for like twelve hours. You just cast it and forget it. You got a comfortable place to sit and sleep. Uh, if an avalanche or a tree falls in the shelter, it's, it's probably still going to penetrate it. And of course, if somebody wants to walk into it, they can still, then they come, can still and come and, and get you. you. Shelter's not going to shield you from hazards that could deal damage otherwise, or people with knives. It won't protect you from people with knives. Mm-hmm. But it's really good for uh, the That's mage nice. on the go. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, the wind-weaving spell mentions that you can't make, like, like tornado-force winds, but you can, but a lot of folks actually apparently use it to help with sailing. Well, 
I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. I could imagine that would cut even oh, yeah. days off of your time. I could see Waking Sea Raiders being very excited to have a Primalist Mage because their ships move faster if they got a mage on board. Yeah, that would be good. Uh-huh. Could be useful for a campaign. Um, if you take the Journeyman degree of the Primal Talent, you will get access to the spell Pit, which... Uh, <laughs> oh, I love yeah. spells that make pits. They, there's room for oh, comedy yeah. gold in those. Oh, yeah. Pits, pit's pretty nice. It lets you, I mean, it costs a bit. It costs 15 mana to cast it. But it does create a permanent pit in rocket in earth and stone. It doesn't go away. It doesn't have a duration. It's just there mm-hmm. forever. Unless somebody fills the hole back up. And of course, it's and uh, so it gives people uh, a test to not fall in it when you make it. And it costs uh, people an extra minor action to get out of it. And, of course, it also opens the way to another spell, Stones Embrace, which Mm -hmm. we mentioned a little earlier, as part of the Earth Magic. And that one basically lets you create, basically lets you open up a pit underneath somebody and then close it around them. (laughs) That goes from funny to terrifying in about five seconds. It doesn't, I don't think it, like, suffocates them or anything. Like, they're, like, they're still kind of, like, above the ground so they can breathe, but it immobilizes them and they can, on the, they can't, and they can't get out. They can't move until they're able to break, to break the spell. Uh, now, they do get to try and break Stone's Embrace as a minor action, which means they could attempt to break it twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know... It doesn't make it a less cool spell. doesn't make it less cool. doesn't mean that our uh, one of our Dalish Keepers didn't try to use it on a dragon recently. It didn't work very well because it requires strength. Oh, that's right. You resist it with strength might. And, you know, if you got a dragon with like a 10 strength, crud. There's only so much you can do there. Only so much you can do. When you take the Master Degree of Primal, you're going to gain access to two very intriguing spells, Elemental Mastery and Weather Weaving. Uh, so, Elemental Mastery is a nice little buff for yourself. It's really it's a really cheap spell for being a Master Degree spell, but for like a minute, all of your damaging spells deal an extra two points of damage. Not bad. And they do mention that that is also through intermediary objects, like spells that have had flaming, have flaming weapons or frost weapons cast on them. So, you know, have fun with that. So if you cast Elemental Elemental Master, then put Flaming Weapons and Frost Weapons on your friend's friend's weapons, then they're dealing a D6 plus 2 damage and 4 points of penetrating damage on each. uh, And all that uh, as extra on every hit. That can add up real fast. Yes, it can. And of course, plus two on all the damage rolls that you're all the damage rolls you're making, so it becomes you know like three. So fireball becomes three d six plus magic plus two damage. It's a little something. It, it's a really inexpensive spell, so it's it's not worth it's worth. It's a checking nice out. little boosty. Now this next one's a little less expensive because it's weather weaving. It lets you control the weather to a degree. When you first cast the spell, which I believe requires at least an hour to cast originally. Which does take this out of the realm of... Uh, yeah, it does take it out of the realm of battle unless you're very clever with it. Or preparing for, like, prepare for combat. Correct. Um, it lets you shape the uh, so you shape the weather in an area of a number of ra- a radius of your magic in miles. So you can adjust the weather a bit. But mm-hmm. it also mentions that over the course of a couple of days, if you continue to cast the spell... Um, Normally, you can, you know, you mean you can't make it snow in the middle of summer or rain in the desert. Um, it forms within eight hours of you casting, so you can only make so many changes at once. Um, you can generally make it warmer or colder, or you can cause it to rain or snow, or make it stop, or you can mm-hmm. adjust the clouds. But if you cast it over a couple of days, 
you can make more dramatic changes. Hmm. See, multiple yeah. castings over multiple days can extend the spell's effect, creating more dramatic well, shifts in weather. They bought the book, right? I hope so. We don't need to tell them that. Right. I'm sure they're reading it right now. So if you can, so I think we I've actually got a villain who makes use of this a little bit. Does he? Yeah, I always, I keep mentioning to you guys that it looks like it's getting a little stormy outside whenever you guys start getting close to dealing with him. I think when every time ever like every usually day, means he's attacking our homes. Every day in Tevinter, I when you guys were in Tevinter, I mentioned uh, it looks kind of overcast today. That's looks like true, it might rain. Did. Looks like it's raining pretty hard today. Wow, that rain's really coming down he today. He just did it to make him, oh, yeah. to set the And of course, by the time they actually started the fight, he had cast, he had cast it like six times. So he'd That's created, true. he'd practically created like monsoon force winds and driving rain. Made it a lot harder to do things. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, worth keeping in mind. Worth keeping in mind. Now, um, we thought we'd also include, for your uh, reading pleasure... Uh, we have uh, plenty of house rules that we've featured on the one, on the Wonders of Thetis podcast that are very useful for primalists. So mm-hmm. if you're planning on being a primalist, maybe take a look at them. Yeah, we've heard some people have some, rather than some occasionally some valid complaints about ma- about how the scaling for magic damage doesn't really seem to match with hit points. And yes. Some of these things that we're talking about, we're going to talk, well, we're going to talk about a little bit of them, but mm-hmm. some of these things can really help Address balance that, issue. that out and address that issue. So they might become more more needed potentially at higher levels, but of course that is up to you. We'll leave it up to you. The first one, of course, is the elementalist specialization that I wrote that we have here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It makes, I mean, it's it's about using primal magic. It's about blowing people up with primal magic. It makes you it makes you better at doing it. It's mostly for boosting damage. And, of course, um, we have a large collection of magic items that were converted over from the t- from the video games over the tabletop game, all of which can be very useful to primalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll go include a list of them on the blog post, so we won't go through the whole thing here. But you can, of course, check that out in the back shelves collection, which there should be a link for at the top of the blog. Uh, we, of course, also, a while ago, we mentioned Shonuf's spell modification rules, mm-hmm. where you can spend gold to collect, like, power talismans or um, learn new magical secrets but you can use it to uh, adjust your spells for later so if you want to take a look at Shonuf's rules for adjusting spells I don't know if Shonuf has touched it in a little while but feel free to take a look <coughs> at it and you can uh, I guess cast raised thread on it to bring it back up and it could hmm. be useful um, Wired Wolf a while ago also made a PDF called the Veiled Codex, which could be useful for is useful for any spellcaster really because it uh, collects and compartmentalizes all of the spells in the game uh, and all the specializations that are based on specific schools. So they visually they cre- they uh, reprinted all the spells into the Veiled Codex so that you can the Veiled Codex so you can see all the spells and their stats and what they do. And they also include spell trees, but visual aids to the spell tree, so you know which spells are going to let you get which ones. It's very convenient. It is. It's very useful. All of these can, of course, be found in our resources for your game page or on the top of our blog pages. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about a lot of, blo- a lot of um, building blocks, but we need to put it all together and see what it all uh, eventually comes to. So if you want to do primal magic, your power and function are going to rely heavily on your spells, like any mm-hmm. mage, really. Yeah. Spell selection is key for you. Now, primal Basically, magic, you're a mage. These things matter. Right, these things are really going to matter, so you got to think about them. Uh, primal magic has its niches. We're going to take all that we've learned to help you get your primalists on the top of their game. Uh, it depends on which game you want to be playing. Correct. So here's a couple games, and we'll talk about those games. 
First one, of course, is the one that we're that a lot of us are probably thinking about when we think primal magic is dealing damage. Yep. If you're planning on being DPS, and then in primal a sense. primal's the way to go, really. Absolutely. Now, lightning and fire are definitely go tos for heavy damage dealing, uh, with ice very close behind. Mm-hmm. Lightning does all penetrating damage, and fire does very solid and usually more dependable damage uh, that is still, but it is still subject to AR. But fire has you know, fireball always deals three d six plus magic damage. Resisting the spell only means the target stays standing. Mm-hmm. Worth There's keeping no in mind. Reduction of damage there, which is mm-hmm. noticeable. Uh, by contrast, lightning spells are all uh, all have their damage reduced by Constitution stamina. So be aware that some foes are probably going to be quite resilient to your spells, but you will still get a little bit through. Uh, ice also does mo- all penetrating damage, so. The same thing. A little bit less, I believe. A little bit, definitely less than lightning spells. But ice also gives some adverse conditions in battle, so it can be a good choice to, uh, it can be a good choice to have that one as, like, a secondary choice of element. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or primary, if you're going to talk about one of our other ideas. Uh Uh-huh. Going both ice and lightning means that all your damage is penetrating, but most of your spells are going to be resisted by constitution stamina, so you'll want to get your spell power up real high. Uh Uh-huh. Fire and ice seems like the combo mm-hmm. to like the really solid combo to have it is cause because fire got... is fire is really solid big damage that includes a, bit, a little bit of debuffing and um ice is penetrating damage that also includes debuffing mm-hmm. plus then you can get uh the flame the flame weapon the frost weapon heck yeah get your friends mix fr- them up yeah get your friends some help if you want to maximize damage at later levels, consider picking up Elemental Mastery for a small boost to all your primal damaging spells. It's very cheap to cast, doesn't cost much to maintain. Uh, and we of course, talked about that. We mentioned it. It's, it's, it's going to stack up, so if you want to be dealing damage, get Elemental Mastery as mm-hmm. soon as you can. Yes. It's and not a big boost, but it's it's something. Yeah. It's more and than nothing. Definitely don't forget that it stacks with stacking spells. Oh. Uh-huh. If you put Flaming Weapons and Frost Weapons, both with Elemental Mastery cast, that's going to hurt some folks. Now, um, battlefield control is another thing that a couple primal magic spells do. Many of the higher level spells uh, let you cast a spell and maintain it to create battlefield hazards that you can use to control enemy movement, damage large groups of foes, or create obstacles that can help you defend a position. And of course, a lot of these are the spells that you're going to have to work hard to get to. Yes. Tempest is a, is requires you to know two spells. Blizzard is the end. Blizzard and Inferno are both end of the road. Uh, Earthquake, however, only requires you to know Stonefist. Worth keeping in mind. Tempest uh, is a four by four area of pure damage, uh, while Inferno does damage in a six by six area and also forces those who resist the spell to fall prone to avoid the flames, which slows them down. Mm-hmm. Blizzard does excellent damage in a six by six area, while also creating a powerful deterrent to enemy movements and attacks. It doesn't deal as much damage as Inferno or Tempest round around, but it also means that, you know, it can That's knock That's not them. what you're here for. That's not what you're here for. You're here for knocking people prone, giving them penalties on melee attacks, and huge penalties on those ranged attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Earthquake is relatively easy to qualify for compared to the others, uh, and while it deals no damage, uh, it can be a real help against foes who can't. It really help, a real help to debuff, or I guess, I, didn't say, I, mean, I keep using that word, um... It's gonna ruin your day if you can't fly. Oh yeah, if you can't fly, it's gonna be it's gonna stink for you. Uh, and it's also one of the cheapest of those uh, main of those like cast and forget spells to maintain. Pit has a slightly higher bar to qualify, but the pits you create are permanent, and they can be extremely useful in creating a creating a battlefield if you have advanced warning to a fight. Mm-hmm. And That's of course, really 
Weather weaving, if used well in advance with time and some clever thought, and some people can get away with this, especially if they've got like if they've you if know, you have several days to prepare for your fight. Yes, and sometimes there's campaigns of war, and you can get advance notice. That's true. That can actually be very useful for mass combat uh, to create uh, adverse weather conditions that maybe your forces are protected from, so that enemy forces are taking penalties, but you guys aren't. Mm-hmm. For uh, for battlefield <laughs> control in general, since we were just talking about mm-hmm. which elements worked for uh, damage dealing, yeah. Um, I think it's not a bad idea to do a mixture of stone and ice. Oh, definitely, yeah. In this case, just because stone is going to be your go-to for large battlefield control, especially with Create Pit. Mm-hmm. With Pit, that's just going to... Like, as long as you've got a little bit of extra time, you can just mold the battlefield in whatever you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the parts that they're that they're tiptoeing around in the pit, you then cast an Earthquake. There you go. There you so go. T- so that they can move around all the pits, but it takes them forever. And well, and it'll take them e- an extra long amount of time when you cast uh, Winter's Grasp or Blizzard on them, and then they can't move very quickly <laughs> at they, all. Then they can't. And move. they're taking penetrating damage. <laughs> Ooh, mean, mean. I love it. Queen of mean. It's so good. So um, now, party support is a really small thing that Primal does, but it does do it a little bit. It's those two spells. It's flaming weapons and frost weapons. That's it. Keep, keep it in mind. So in in their second tier spells, if they're if you need them before you can get spells like fireball or cone of cold or blizzard or inferno. Just get so them. So you're gonna get them anyway. So make use of them. Mm-hmm. Um, now uh, there's also the uh, topic of enfeebling, which is also known as debuffing. As there are no there are some noticeable trends towards giving adver- enemies uh, adverse status conditions in primal spells now, uh, to a lesser degree yeah. than some other. I would say quick imagine. note: uh, entropy is probably going to be your go-to if you oh, really yeah. want to be doing debuffing. Oh yeah. As a primary ability, like single-target debuffing, you're almost always going to be better off oh, yeah. with spirit entropy, or uh, entropy. Entropy and spirit is going to do much better at that. That uh, said, primal is, primal is more focused towards damage, but a lot of those spells do package them both together. Yeah. Make uh, use of the whole thing. Ice spells, uh, besides frost weapons, all include enfeebling effects to them. Uh, slowing your enemies down or giving them penalties to attack or move at all in the case of Blizzard. Uh, earth spells like Stone Fist, Earthquake, and Petrify are mostly geared towards enf- enfeebling enemies. Especially Petrify because you turn them to stone. You turn them to stone. You essentially take them out of the fight until they can make the test to, to get themselves out. I'm kind of amazed there's a test to stop being a statue. There is. Which, of course, I know there it, is, but it's right. just surprising that you would be able to make a test when you are, in fact, a statue. Hmm. Well, it also makes it a little terrifying when you know what uh, the very end scene of Trespasser looks like. The spoilers. Hmm. Stone's Embrace, which requires you to know Pit, can take foes out of the fight just like Petrify. It's a little less powerful because the enemy gets to attempt the test to resist twice in the same round as Petrify. Uh, when, when, they, when you do Petrify, they only get one attempt. And that's mm-hmm. the only thing they can do the whole round. Uh, as you said, combining earth and uh, sea and ice makes an excellent enfeebling primalist who can still deal decent damage. Mm-hmm. And if you're going primalist, you probably should be going for damage and damage before anything else, anyway. Yes, but earth and ice for large, like the other ones. Uh, spirit magic has the fall down spell. Yeah, but uh, the other one, like uh, what am I trying to talk about? Entropy. Entropy has a hard time taking people down in groups. 
It's true. Entropy it's usually... is great for single target debuffing, but if you, you want to do large target yeah. stuff, you are going to want to look at being an earth and ice primalist. Ooh, yeah. That's your, entropy, that's your big crap. Entropy gets some area of effects, but not nearly as many not, as primal. And not to the same no. sort of efficacious ending. It's true. You have to work real hard. You get to scoop out your battlefield. <laughs> you get to make the battlefield That's yourself. Awesome. Primal magic is pretty dang cool. It is. Um, and of course, the last thing is for adventuring. Uh, some of these are utility spells, and some of them are very, rather useful for adventurers. Spells like Shelter and Wind Weaving are, may only have places in specific campaigns, uh, but it is worth mentioning them as excellent tools for explorers and adventurers who are often going to be in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Helps create a well-rounded character who is... Uh... Oh, yeah. Who is uh, valued by the party members. Mm-hmm. I could see a Dalish keeper wanting to pick up wind weaving so that the uh, the boats, <laughs> so that their boats don't get picked up by the wind. You mean the land ship? The land ships. Land boats. Yes. Those things. Those things. They got the, they all Aravels. Sa- they got the Aravels. They've all got these sails on them. They do. Gotta be careful with them. Could and shelter. They probably actually cast shelter. Although, if you, quite often. although then again, if you push it even faster, those poor hollow that are actually pulling the darn things are going to have a problem. <laughs> what did you bring me for? They're going <laughs> to look just... back at you like, "What are you doing?" And then you, I run, got this. Don't run over your holla. Leave me alone. Public service announcement: Don't run over your holla. Yeah, public service announcement: Be kind to your holla friends. Because they understand you, mm-hmm. and probably also the concept of revenge. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> probably. Anyway. Anyway, we've talked a lot. We have. We've gotten very elementary today. Gone to elementary school, perhaps. I'm leaving. So we should probably keep. We should probably get out of here before any more puns uh, appear. Yeah. I'm I'm not gonna do it. I'm resisting my primal urges right now. Oh my gosh! See, (laughs) here's the problem with that. Uh, thank All you, everybody. It. Good night, everyone. Oh, man. This is this is the end. <laughs> this is the end. This is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. And this is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy feels. Thank you all so much for joining us. And, and of course, don't forget to check, us, to check out the new forums on the D20 Radio. And check out all our new friends at D20 Radio. There's some really cool podcasts out there. There's a lot of cool stuff to check out and a lot of stuff to look forward to on the horizon. We'll have some more... Uh, See, I've got I've got some new artwork in uh, see in, in 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 the in the works. I guess there's cool stuff the coming. There's cool stuff coming. Wait for it. It'll be great. It'll be great. We'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye, guys.